0: This is what the Huron River sounds like. What you can't hear are the toxic chemicals like PFAS that have contaminated the water. Toxic PFAS chemicals are linked to cancer and brain damage in children. These toxins have poisoned our water, making it dangerous to drink and unfishable. And State Representative Ryan Berman is making it worse. Berman voted to cut more than $21 million from the state's contaminated site cleanup fund and the damage doesn't stop there. Just months ago, Berman sided with the big oil company that caused the largest inland oil spill in American history, voting to let them drill a pipeline under our waterways. Ryan Berman's record is toxic for Oakland County. Vote Julia Pulver for representative by November 3rd. Paid for with regulated funds by Michigan Leadership Committee PAC, not authorized by any candidate.
2: Uh, yes, it is. How can I vote Tuesday? We have the first of the three presidential debates tonight. Yes, Joe Biden will be showing up. And I'm certainly hoping that he will show he is not on cognitive decline. We're going to be talking about that coming up with our great guest. So be sure to join us. But first up on this Tuesday, hi, I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Let's do it now and check what is ripped. Speaker Nancy Pelosi who is the House Speaker and a Democrat from the state I'm sitting in right now, California. Well, she yesterday unveiled the House Democrats' new $2.2 trillion coronavirus relief proposal. Uh, negotiations with the Trump administration have stalled. Remember, the House passed its $3 trillion Heroes Act in May. They came down, by the way, from $3.4 trillion Republican uh, that they originally had put forth uh, to to compromise and to meet Republican's Not halfway necessarily, but $1.4 trillion less part of the way. Uh, The pared down bill, which is $200 billion smaller than the Democrats' most recent proposal, is part of Pelosi's last ditch effort to strike a deal in the White House. Now, the updated proposal includes funding for schools badly needed, small businesses badly needed restaurants badly needed, airline workers and more, and serves as the proffer to Republicans to come to negotiations to address the health and economic catastrophe in our nation. That's what the speaker said in a statement. The proposal was unveiled minutes before she was set to have a call with the Treasury Secretary. And those two top negotiators agreed to speak again. This morning, and that is according to an aide in House Speaker Pelosi's office. Now, among other measures, the bill earmarks $75 billion in funding for coronavirus testing, contact tracing and isolation measures. All three things we need. We saw how well they worked in countries like uh, uh, New Zealand, uh, South Korea and other nations uh, throughout the world. Uh, and they say in this that, quote, it would have special attention to the disparities facing communities of color. Because as you know, African-Americans and Latinos are are coming down and catching COVID at a much higher rate, disproportionate to uh, their Caucasian counterparts in the workforce. For the Latino community here in Southern California, so many are in the um, essential worker uh, you know, and they're, and they're out there being exposed so much more than, than people like myself who have the luxury of working from home, right? I am in uh, an office in my house, my home office uh, right now for my radio broadcast. I do my TV broadcast from another area um, of my house, like a, a sitting room area of my house. Um, I'm lucky, right? You know, to have that. Not everybody has that. A lot of people working from home, but some people have jobs where they can't work from home. Um, the uh, bill, Will update the Paycheck Protection Program now. If you remember, $600 additional federal funds per week were added to the unemployment um, that you were getting from your state. Some states, like the one I'm in in California, because they didn't want to, you know, have to pay for part of what Trump did, they just gave their. Uh, their uh, citizens in uh, California, their state citizens, $300 in addition, because they couldn't come up with the full 600 uh, Some other states are doing the same. So that bill updates the Paycheck Protection Program, and, and that can help serve the smallest businesses and the struggling nonprofits, providing hard-hit businesses with second loans and delivering targeted assistance for the struggling restaurant industry and independent live venue operators. Uh, PPP, by the way, uh, some people say it, you know they didn't have enough money. Some people uh, didn't get in before the funds uh, ran out. So sorry about that. I was talking about two different things. PPP um, are, are different loans. These PPP are by the, uh, through the Small Business Administration, Small Business Association. And uh, through our government, um, we're providing people um, basically coverage for the W-2 payroll uh, worker um, so that uh, the, the company would have enough to be able to pay them so that they wouldn't have to lay people off. Uh, terminate them, fire them uh, from their jobs. But for many businesses, if they were with big banks like Wells Fargo or Bank of America and weren't a big uh, commercial customer, they didn't make it in on time before the funds ran out. And I know you said, well, there was PPP2. There was, but again, there were a lot of people already in queue from PPP1 who made it in PPP2. And I know people personally who have small businesses who still uh, have not received uh, any funds uh, for that for their businesses and had to lay people off. Um, in addition to that, um, you know, they've already extended the timeline when you're going to have to pay or not pay it back. Because if you fit a certain criteria, which nobody really fully knows yet what that criteria is or how to prove that criteria. Um, you know, so it, it it's kind of been difficult for businesses. And then there are businesses that have come late to the game, if you will. They were trying to stay open and keep their employees Ah, uh, paid. They didn't realize how bad COVID would affect them. For some, COVID hit them right off the bat, and for some other companies, it took a few months. And by then, PPP was up. Then it was extended, but there were no new applications being uh, put forth. Um, so the PPP, the P- Paycheck Protection Program, was designed to serve the smallest businesses and struggling nonprofits, providing hard-hit businesses with second loans and delivering targeted assistance for the struggling restaurant industry and independent live venue operators. So this would be a second PPP round available uh, for those that either didn't get it the first time around or still need more to keep their companies afloat and to keep their employees being paid. It also includes um, a second round of 1,200 payments per taxpayer and 500 per dependent. And and also they would extend the weekly, here I am, the uh, federal unemployment payments that I was talking about. They would extend those through January. It would be $600. And of course, it would be retroactive, I would imagine. Although I don't know that for sure. I'm imagining that. But even if not, I mean, if you get it for October, November, December, that's and, and you know, that's ninety days more than you would have had it. And that's four hundred dollars a week more. Um or $1,600 a month than you would have received from the Republicans. It provides $436 billion a year's uh, worth of uh, help to state, local, territorial, and tribal governments. And by the way, that was one of the reasons that Democrats would not come down more. The two big reasons Democrats would not uh, budge on the money uh, with House Speaker Pelosi rightly leading the way on this was one, they were not going to drop from $600 a week to $200 when people need that. And have been relying on that in addition to their unemployment. And remember, you're only talking until the end of the year or through the first month of next year. And then, of course, state, local, territorial and tribal governments, Republicans, you know, the president and others are like, we don't want to help you. Right. The Fed doesn't want to help. Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, has frequently said that Democrats would be willing to drop a trillion from the Heroes Act if Republicans would come up with a trillion would come up a trillion. And she did, right? In July, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell proposed a roughly $1 trillion bill. It was dismissed by Democrats as a half-hearted, half-baked legislative proposal. And, and this is what Speaker Pelosi wrote, quote, Democrats are making good on our promise to compromise with this updated bill. So they cut money, but they didn't meet her halfway with regard to help to state and local governments and agencies, and the uh, $600 federal addition to the unemployment funds. Progressive advocacy groups and labor leaders are urging Senate Republicans and the Trump White House to stop stonewalling and immediately approve a COVID-19 relief package that was unveiled Yesterday, late in the day by House Democrats, Lee Saunders, who's president of the 1.3 million member American Federation of State, County and Municipal Employees, most of you know them as Ask Me, uh, said in a statement last night that the latest iteration of the HEROES Act, quote, represents a good faith effort to renew constructive negotiations and finally deliver the relief that families and communities need. And by the way, Republicans are being stupid here. Because if Democrats and Republicans work together, they both could win at the ballot box uh, coming up just weeks away in November um, if they help people out there who are struggling now. I don't care what Wall Street says, and I don't even care what the unemployment rate says. It's what people feel. And if you're out of work and have been out of work and you had 600 a week stripped from you on top of it and Republicans are not the ones coming to the table with that money, who are you going to blame at the polls? Uh, I, I would hope it would be Republicans. Um, the uh, the uh, Sanders continued, quote, the ball is now in the court of Senate Republicans and the White House, as it has been for more than four months, absolutely. While the Senate is wasted no time trying to illegitimately jam through a Supreme Court nomination, which seems to be their priority over the American people and their wishes, the majority of Americans, over 60%, want the court seat filled by the next elected president to wait on filling the seat. Uh, and two, a majority of American people uh, don't care about that They care about the economy. They care about health care. They care about racial injustice. And certainly COVID is under that umbrella of health care. And uh, we are in the worst public health crisis in a century. It continues to rage on. And Speaker Pelosi's overture provides another opportunity, Saunders went on to say, to put progress ahead of partisanship and get something done. Now, the NEA, the National Education Association, they're the largest labor union in the United States. They've applauded the House Democrats for putting forth, quote, a plan that prioritizes the nation's students, educated schools and campuses in the continued fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and uh, and, the, and they said, uh, quote, the NEA president, Becky Pringle, quote, this is the second time House Democrats led by Speaker Pelosi have stepped up with a health and economic plan that meets the nation's needs. Absolutely. And stands in stark contrast to the months of time wasted by Mitch McConnell, who hit the pause button while the pandemic continued to rage. House Democrats have again stepped up. Will McConnell and the White House ever do the same? Good question, Becky. I don't know. I don't know. Look at what their their uh, their goals are. Their agenda has been, quite frankly, since Barack Obama's been elected. It's to block Democrats, right? Uh, let's rip another. And are we doing, uh, Marky Mark, are we doing two rounds of ripped? Or one? He'll tell me in the break. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue with Rip from the headlines. And then after the next segment of Rip, we will have our great guest on, and we will be with you right after that. Uh, I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away.
1: If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com.
2: We are back. Happy Tuesday. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy in talk. We're here with our second, uh, our second segment of ripped. From the headlines, uh, we'll continue with that. And after this segment of "Ripped from the Headlines," we're going to take a brief break, and we will bring in our guest. And we're going to talk about tonight's first uh, presidential debate between former Vice President Joe Biden, the Democratic nominee, and current incumbent uh, Republican nominee and the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. So uh, stick around. But right now, we'll continue our "Ripped." <laughs> from the headlines. The White House put the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention under immense pressure to produce more evidence that suited the Trump administration's agenda to send kids and teachers back to school in person before the election, despite the raging coronavirus pandemic. That's according to a report from The New York Times. Now, let me tell you this. If this is true, and I say that because sadly, there are people that report things. We hear retractions. Uh, then we have witnesses that come out and say, mm, not true or not entirely true, although I tend to believe it, not because it's New York Times. It, it just goes with the M.O. of the president. Um, As a parent, you're seriously willing to endanger my kid's life so you can be reelected? And some of you want to vote for somebody like that? Just saying. Anyway. One member of Vice President Mike Pence's staff claims that she was repeatedly asked to instruct the CDC to write more reports that showed a decline in virus cases among young people. The staff member is not anonymous. Her name is Olivia Troy. And she said she regretted being, quote, complicit in the effort. She left the White House in August. Um, Troy confirmed an incident in June in which she and junior staffers were pushed by Pence's chief of staff, who was Mark Short, uh, who who tried to circumvent the CDC in finding data on COVID-19, and they wanted data that would better support President Trump's stance that COVID-19 poses little danger to kids and that schools should reopen. Now, another official who was a public health official but did not want to be named told The Times that before a task force briefing in June, White House officials asked the CDC for support of data in, quote, a snazzy, easy-to-read document. Recent data shows that hospitalizations and deaths from COVID-19 have increased at a faster rate in children and teens than among the general public. You're not hearing that, are you? That should be the big news story in every network, by the way. One coronavirus tracking project has reported at least 30,000 cases in schools in the United States since Just the school year began. And that's just a few weeks ago for many schools here in this country. Uh, More than 587,000 children in the United States have now tested positive for COVID 19. That is since the beginning of the pandemic earlier this year in March. And that is according to the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Children's Hospital Association. It's a 15% increase in cases in children between September 3rd and September 17th. What happened on September 3rd, folks? Schools reopened. Let's rip another. And I just want to say, my kids are down the hall doing work. I love them, but they've been like little devils and demons and the teachers call me and they email me and it's driving me nuts. I want them in school. So in case you think it's like, oh, you just don't, you don't want to send them back to school because you're a liberal. Oh my God, I want them to go back to school. I want them to go back to school. It's very hard working from home with the two kids and the new puppy and the constant eating and the messing and emptying the dishwasher three times a day, take out the trash four times a day, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, wine, 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 wow. I get it. Okay. But I'm just saying, this is not political. I want my kids to go back to school. But if it's not safe, even though the evidence shows there is a lesser chance that they will end up in the ICU or die, you know somebody's going to end up in the ICU. And somebody, even if it's one, and it won't be one, it'll be hundreds or thousands, will die. You don't know what underlying health condition you have. You don't even know what underlying health condition your children have. And I have that even more because one of my children's adopted and I don't know their biology. So is it worth the risk for for political gain? Anyway, I digress. Let's rip another for real time. (laughs) Former aides to President Trump tell the Atlantic's McKay Coppins that the president regularly mocks his own evangelical Christian followers behind their backs. Now, this I totally believe as well, Okay, you know, because I'm sorry, but I have to be very nice. Let's just say sometimes you see these things online with people who love Trump and they look and sound and act ridiculous and not because they love Trump. We certainly have some crazies on the left as well. But I will bet when some of those crazies who are. Dressed really weird and being really weird, you know, and say I love you, Donald Trump, and all that, you know. I am sure, I am certain, I would bet money I go to Vegas that he's getting on that bus or that in that car or on that plane and and being like, oh my God, yeah, you know, or do you have Purell? You know, I'm serious. I just that's my vibe. That's what I'm what I'm sensing. Okay, so I believe that he would mock his own base. Evangelical Christians as well. Donald Trump is not a religious man. He never has been. And Christians deep down know that. By the way, if not, Christ does. In particular, the aides say the president sees many evangelicals in the same way that he reportedly sees American soldiers who died in World War I. He considers them, quote, suckers and losers. Uh, Coppin wrote that former aides told uh, told Coppin, they've heard from Trump, that Trump ridiculed conservative religious leaders. Dismissed various faith groups with cartoonish stereotypes and derided certain rights and doctrines held sacred by many of the Americans who constitute his base. You know, I don't know what sad, folks. They won't care. They won't care. They drank the Kool-Aid. They've drank so much Kool-Aid now that he has become their Jesus. Don't don't really, if you're a Christian and, and, and you are and there's nothing Trump can do that would change your mind, you're a you're you're a Trumper you're not a Christian. I'm sorry, because Christians are supposed to be followers of Christ. And how can I say this? Okay. Can I, can I just like do my little rant for a sec? I have a Jewish parent, a Christian parent and married a Muslim. And in 2004, I had a son that passed away. Don't need to talk about that. I'll get too weepy. And, um, I really was soul searching for God. And I really was soul searching for comfort from God, and I was really soul searching for the truth. And one of the things that I didn't like in any religion was the judgmental attitude of many of those within the religions and the hypocrisy, the sexism, list goes on. And that would be in the big three, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And uh, I've been a Jew, I've been a Christian, okay? Okay. And I I, I walked away from Christianity because much like Gandhi, I couldn't find Christ among Christians. And I I know some Christians get upset by that. My mother gets that. She's a very strong, born-again Christian who voted for Hillary uh, and will not vote for Donald Trump um, because she doesn't see him as being Christ-like. But there's this whole group of evangelicals that deep down in their heart of hearts, if, if Jesus walked in their bedroom tonight and said, "Okay, Charlie, time to go. But before you do, let's have a little chat you know, you know, they're going to admit, well, adultery is wrong. Bearing false witness or lying is wrong. You know, that they're going to say that cheating on your taxes is wrong. Right. I mean, the Bible is filled with when, you know, when you do something, do, do, you know, do these unto the, you know, what you do, you do unto the least of them, you do unto me and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, also uh, what you do, uh, you know, in private, your father in heaven sees, I mean, the list just goes on and on, but, um, so I have 30 seconds and I'm being told I got to shut up because we're going to take a break. So that's what's ripped from the headlines. That's. What I uh, but I have never understood how evangelicals could have uh, followed him after he mocked that disabled reporter, because Jesus would never have, never have tolerated that, my friend. I'm Leslie Marshall back in a moment.
1: Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. leslie on twitter just go to www.twitter.com slash leslie marshall and we'll be sure to share your tweets
2: How are you doing? i am excited to have this next guest here i actually marky marky read my mind because i was hoping that we, we we would have him on tonight i like him personally i like him professionally um, he knows um, he knows politics, he knows certainly about debates, and he knows the Democratic nominee very well. Mo is in the House, most served in President Obama's administration as the director of administration and his senior advisor in the office of Vice President Joe Biden. The stint was the second White House appointment for Mr. Vela, who served as chief financial officer and senior advisor on Hispanic affairs for Vice President Al Gore. He holds the distinction of being the first Hispanic American and gay American to serve twice in a senior executive role in the White House. His Twitter handle is at Mo Vela, at M-O-E-V-E-L-A. Hey Mo, I'm happy to have you with us. Uh, Big uh, first uh, night, thank you for joining us. First up, do you think that Trump's a little, in the campaign, is a little scared? um, And and I say that because they were talking about Joe Biden, you know, not not being with it, uh, not gonna show up uh, in, in a state of cognitive decline and despair. And and then they just started saying some positive things about Joe Biden, kind of reversing all of that, which leads me to believe um when they see him in these interviews and he's not using a teleprompter, he's pretty sharp.
3: Oh, there's no doubt about it. And Leslie, I'll tell you what, they're in for a they're in for a little bit of a surprise. A few things, right? One. Joe Biden is an incredible debater. Actually, when it's one-on-one, those large Democratic debates, I don't think anybody shines in those because it's just a chaotic mess. But when it's one-on-one, Joe Biden is quite amazing. Number two, uh, I think, uh, and personally, I think tonight is a phenomenal night for our side because uh, the vice president gets to contrast so dramatically with, you know, 80, 90 million people around the world watching tonight, this contrast between a man who acts like a president, looks like a president, speaks like a president, right, has the leadership and the experience to be a president, and then the petulant child who wallows in the trash and the mud, you know?
2: <laughs> you know what? Speaking of debates, when, when Joe Biden was At the vice presidential debate, um, you know, for, you know, prior to Barack Obama being um, uh, reelected, or no, elected or reelected against uh, Mitt Romney. And um, he debated Paul Ryan. My husband, who's not political, came in the room, watched for 20 minutes and said he should be the candidate. I felt that he wiped the floor with Paul Ryan. Yeah. Um it, you know it, it was it was almost like let me show you how this is done boy. And um and and, and there are people on the right that clearly saw a different debate because they're like are you kidding me? That wasn't a strong bet. I thought it was extremely strong. And the stakes are higher because this is not second. This is not co-pilot. This yeah. is you this are a dumb it. man. You yeah. are running to be the president of the United States. And on top of that, you are running after 4 years of democrats crying since hillary clinton lost hoping they will be saved uh from from this mess that you know we are in yeah. um so so you 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 know you talk about it you worked with uh, the former vice president uh, uh do you think that americans watching or anyone in the world watching but americans especially who are going to vote in november do, do you think that tonight joe biden will gain some votes because you know let let's talk about that How, How much do debates help a candidate?
3: Well, fundamentally, very little. Right. Right. Traditionally and fundamentally, very little, as you very well know. In this particular election, in my humble opinion, I think it's even less because the undecided vote and this, we're so polarized. People have most people, the vast majority of people have made up their minds, Leslie. Right. So you're talking to a very small sliver of people. But I will tell you where the opening is for Joe Biden in my opinion. And that is that Obama, Obama Trump voter in the battleground states. That in my opinion is what is at play tonight in this debate. If Joe Biden does what I believe he will do tonight, he 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 will get more of those back to the Democratic side. That Obama, Obama, Trump voter, that uh, non-college-educated white man in the battleground states, where I think is this that's the last little room to play in, in my humble opinion.
2: So you're talking about the white, blue-collar worker in Michigan, Wisconsin, no
3: Pennsylvania
2: as, as an example.
3: And you can see them breaking already toward right. the Biden direction. So to me, that's all that's left out there, because as you know, Trump's base— it, it's it's not going anywhere.
2: Right? How, how does he do? How does he do that, Mo? If 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 he called you and said, "I want you to tell me how to do what you just said," how would you advise him to do that?
3: I would say, Mr. Vice President, it doesn't matter what the topic is. Every single answer, I think, you need to answer from your Scranton upbringing and your Delaware roots, and going back to what you have lived as a middle class, working class family that the Bidens were in Scranton and in Delaware, right? That's Joe Biden's entire life has been around working class people, the unions, middle-class Americans fighting for them, being their voice. And I would say, whether it's COVID or whether it's healthcare, whether it's education, whether it's even climate change, Leslie, it doesn't matter. I would say, Mr. Vice President, answer everything from your heart and your soul And answer it through the eyes and the prism of middle class and working class America.
2: Well, you know, I think uh, what what, I can't remember the exact uh, quote. It would have been a great bumper sticker, which is, you know, you know, it's it's Park Avenue or Scranton, right? Yeah, something, something to that. And and so that's what you know he needs to do tonight. Very interesting. Um, before we get to the questions that my colleague at Fox News, who I have the utmost respect for, Chris Wallace, I do feel Chris is a fine journalist. Uh, because he 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 asks hard questions whether you're left or right, and the thing I like about Chris Wallace is, if 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 somebody's being a petulant child, I I think he will uh, take control. Unlike some moderators have, by the way, you know, for years, sadly, um, and I and I also think that he won't he won't take the uh, what is it you know the switch and pivot uh, you know uh, on, on the answers um, you know by either candidate. Um, I agree with you know, you. if I if I were if I were running for office and Chris Wallace were the moderator, I would be nervous because you know he's tough, but he, he's fair, but he's very tough. He and I'm I'm looking very much forward to him moderating tonight. Uh, uh, ironically,
3: I think- Leslie, he ironically he's probably the only one left at Fox who is fair and balanced. <laughs> Me and you, of course. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Of course, Me. you. There's
2: well, actually there's a lot more people at Fox that are fair.
3: And balanced, no, I, so. I'm I'm totally kidding. It was a. joke. Different-
2: um, Before we get to that, one of the things that Donald Trump does, as you know, and his supporters love it, is he goes for the jugular personally, on personal and with personal attacks. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden showed a glimpse of his no malarkey, blue collar, uh, you know, uh, just just a guy from Scranton upbringing when he said. In my day, you know, we take a guy like that out in the back and beat the crap out of him. And the crowd on the left, the left Democratic progressive crowd, went nuts. Should Joe Biden punch if punched?
3: Strategically and very rarely. But yes, I, I predict. Here's the one thing. Let's go back a little bit in Joe Biden's life. He was horribly bullied as a child
2: for stuttering right
3: for stuttering the last thing he's going to do is be victimized right and be bullied in front of 85 million people so will he punch back i think he will but i think it's going to be more like yeah yeah you petulant child now let me tell you america what i plan to do for you as your president and that's how i would handle it yeah sure sure whatever And you
2: know what? His wife, Jill, gave a foreshadowing of that when she said, you're going to see how a real president acts on that stage. So, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, I want to get to uh, some of the six questions. The debate is moderated by Fox News Sunday host Chris Wallet. It begins at 9 p.m. Eastern. It's held at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, And the first question is, uh, you know, uh, um, ahead ahead of the debate, just looking at some questions. One is, um, can Trump avoid the sitting president first debate slump <laughs> now some people may that are just viewers not know that um but you and I know about that um yeah. quickly before we go to break can he avoid it
3: um i don't think i think i don't think he can avoid it but it's not because of the traditional first term president reelection slump i think it's just because he's atrocious and despicable so <laughs> i think his slump will be for a vi- different reason but he will slump
2: Okay, we're going to take a break when we come back. We're going to talk more um, about some of the things to look at um, in uh, this debate uh, tonight. Uh, from Cleveland, Ohio, the first presidential debate, people said Joe Biden wouldn't show up. I always knew, you always knew he'd show up.
3: Because, absolutely. absolutely. He would never no back up. He's ready to rumble.
2: Okay, we're going to take a break and we're going to be ready to rumble when we return with Mo Vella. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away.
1: If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com.
2: Thinking of all the um, post-debate analysis tonight on Fox News Channel, i uh, with Fox News at night and Shannon Freem at 1 a.m. We're going to be talking debate all night long, but right now um, we're going to be talking and continue to talk with Mo Vella. Uh, who served in President Obama's administration as the director of administration and a senior advisor in the office of Vice President uh, Joe Biden. His Twitter handle is at Movella, Vela, M-O-E-V-E-L-A. Mo, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, we had touched upon, but I'd like to talk about uh, the questions of Joe Biden's uh, competency. Um, and uh, there are You know, there are those out there, um, even Jake Tapper, who asked his wife about gaffes. And of course, she answered brilliantly as the wife of hopefully the future president, which is, you know, well, just look at Donald Trump. I think people forget Donald Trump has made a lot of gaffes, and some have questioned his um, mental uh, competency and and cognitive ability, and, and, you know, questioned whether he was in decline um, as well. So, uh, will Joe Biden, if you had to bet, come across competently? Uh, tonight, And will people have a different idea of him, cognitively speaking, when they've had so much negative uh, from uh, Donald Trump uh, in the the Trump campaign and the uh, never Biden people um, regarding uh, his uh, mental uh, stability?
3: Uh, a couple of things, Leslie. First, I to those who continue to uh, Rudy Giuliani did it on Fox and Friends this morning, and I found it absolutely disgusting and despicable and offensive raising dementia conspiracy theories, as the son of a man who suffered from dementia for 17 years of his life, um, I'll tell you something, uh, to throw around those accusations like that for the people who really do suffer and struggle with dementia is just absolutely wrong and it's offensive. Um, Second of all, I think the vice president tonight will absolutely demonstrate that he is competent, that he is confident And that he has a clear vision for the future of our country. Bottom line is, his job tonight, in my opinion, and he will do it with absolute sharpness. And that is to let the American people know that the man sitting across the stage or standing across the stage from him has got us in such a disastrous, chaotic mess. And the vice president's job, in my opinion, tonight to do it clearly, succinctly, and with a vision is to explain I need to come in and get us out of the mess that that man right over there has gotten us into. And I think he'll do it clearly, Leslie. I don't have any concerns about his mental or cognitive abilities. Uh, Again, I find the ageism in the question, not from you, by the way. I'm talking about the the chattering people out there and Rudy Giuliani this morning who uh, I'm not even sure, uh, you know. Anyway, I, I was going to say something horrible, but I'm not going to say it because <laughs> it's not good for us to get in the in the mud with them. Right. And, you,
2: you don't you want it. Yeah. Like been, Michelle Obama, like, when trash. they go low, we go high. Yeah, we're yeah. going to go That's high. Right.
3: Look, yeah. look uh, I just think it's ageism and I, it bothers me as a gay guy. Let me tell you, that bothers me right. because to me, ageism is no different than when I was bullied growing up on a ranch in South Texas. Uh, you know for being for knowing that I was gay and I couldn't be who I really was. You know what I'm saying? So no I, honestly,
2: I do. The other, the other thing is because you worked with and so closely and know the the former vice president so well, this is just my take. You know he he to me seems the type of person that if he did not have the cognitive ability to be president, he wouldn't run.
3: Oh, that's an excellent point. Let me tell you something. The man's running because he feels a responsibility to bail our country out of a disastrous mess. And so you're absolutely spot on. I've never met a man with such integrity, I'll be honest with you, in all of my years in politics, I've never met an elected official with the integrity. And I'm not talking about just integrity in the traditional sense, I'm talking about human integrity, soulful integrity, to your point. You're spot on. That is exactly. You know
2: what? And you and Lindsey Graham agrees with you on that.
3: He sure does. And uh, I've re- I've tweeted that damn video out a hundred thousand
2: times. Me too. You know, both both Trump and Biden have tempers, and both of That's them can right. use you know can use a nasty tone. Do you think they'll be able to control their tempers and uh, tone tonight?
3: I'll tell you, this is my only concern for the vice president. To be really blunt. My only concern for the vice president tonight, because I'll tell you, and I don't, it, no, I don't blame him for one iota of a second. Donald Trump is going to viciously attack his family and his children and and, his, and everybody that the vice president loves.
2: Hunter, by, the, Hunter, he's going to attack Hunter. Do you think he'll go? Do you think he'll attack Bo? or mention oh, his wife's oh daughter my,
3: who passed? I mean, I just could he be that stupid? I mean, could he be that stupid? I don't know. But, I mean, I, I'm confident he's going to go after Hunter. This is, this is my only concern for the vice president. He loves his family. And that is very hurtful to him when people attack the people that he loves. And so I just pray and I hope that he recognizes, uh, as my mom used to say to me growing up, honey, consider the source. Right. And he's just, it's hard also, as it's going to be, Leslie.
2: Donald Trump, he and his camp hopefully uh, can prepare, you know, prepare for that.
3: Um, well, you would hope, but you know, what are you going to do, start it? I mean, Dom Jr., the last four videos of him, uh, I i don't do drugs, but I've I, I meant, i you know, something's not right. The eyes are all blurry. The speech is all slurred. And I'm not implying that he's on drugs, but something's not right. So, you know, And, and
2: by the way, I thought that was so classy. The last question of the final debate, when the, the moderator said, could you say something nice about one another? And Hillary Clinton said he has very nice children. And he looked and he goes, you know, well, that's very nice if you mean that. And she goes, I do. Um, and because Chelsea and I- Ivanka are friends. We're I mean, Chelsea friends, yeah. Chelsea's husband is, is Jewish Eva- and didn't convert. Ivanka's husband is Jewish. And she converted, they know each other. People people forget there may be politics, but before yeah, politics,
3: Donald Trump, friends. his family. I don't know that they confused. still are today. I have no idea, Leslie, yeah. but
2: yeah, it could be know. it could be.
3: How on
2: earth does Donald J. Trump defend his record from coronavirus in this pandemic, where the majority of polls show they don't favor his handling of that? Uh, race relations don't show favor handling of that. Replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg, majority, over 60% of people want the seat to be held. Now, the latest revelation about the tax returns, which I'm not sure is going to be as big a deal, because like you say, I mean, these people will follow him into hell. Um. So, so how does he defend his record? Because I would honestly say Joe Biden has the advantage going in, which is you wanted to make America great again. This is how many died from COVID. Yeah. Um, this is how many yeah. cities are burning because, you know, you're not taking care of race relations in this country. You know, you, you care more about the Supreme Court yeah. and
3: lying. It's about almost like you want Biden to look table. over and say, it, had we known that was your definition of great? I wish we had known that was your definition of great. Right. Because it right. being number one in the world in coronavirus deaths is right. your definition of great. You know, that kind of thing. But look, I don't know how you defend your record. Look, let's let's be honest here. There is not a record. OK, a record usually means you've accomplished something and you've succeeded at something. I mean, you could have a bad record, I guess. Right. And and as you just pointed out perfectly and brilliantly, uh, it's it's nothing less than a train wreck. Uh, if we weren't on air, I'd, I'd use my favorite phrase, but it's it's a cluster.
2: Yeah. It's a
3: chaotic cluster. Yes, Because we don't want to get get, get you kicked off the airwaves. <laughs> but it's a chaotic cluster. It is. And and so I don't, Leslie, the answer is you can't. So, so here's why this is important. You can't defend your record because it's atrocious. So what do you do when you're flailing, you're losing in all the polls, and you can't defend your record? What do you do?
2: You personally attack the guy and, on the other side of the stage.
3: Exactly. <laughs> and because- that's what we're going to see. For 90 minutes tonight because the guy has no plan for a second term he has he didn't have a plan to handle the pandemic to begin with much less what are you going to do about it now right he's trying to hand out cards to seniors in florida he's trying every desperate ploy you know uh destroying the united states postal service so that voters can't vote trying to suppress voters by the way a lot of people aren't talking about this but the, uh, the uh, uh, Trump campaigns list, voter list, with a proportion of African-Americans with the word deterrence next to their name. Uh, why aren't people talking about that? You know what that means? That means he specifically was trying to keep African-American voters from voting. That is just voter suppression.
2: Absolutely, uh, we have like sixty seconds. I'm gonna try and get in two questions. So be so okay. fast, okay? okay? You had talked about your worry about Biden uh, with his children being attacked. How do how do you feel that Joe Biden should respond to personal attacks? Because there will be many.
3: I would simply look over and say, you know what? I'm not going there with you. I'm not going into the mud with you. I'm not gonna get into this trashy back and forth brawl with you. I'm gonna level with the American people. We have a lot of work to do to recover from the mess you have gotten us into. That's exactly how I would do it, right there. So you're
2: very nice. I would say, Donald, we can go out in the back and settle this like men, but right now I'm running for president of the United States and I don't have time to run a daycare center.
3: (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, my God. We should have had you in the prep room.
2: (laughs) Uh, Lastly, should Joe Biden focus on COVID out of the box and for much of the first debate tonight?
3: Yes. I don't know that I would just do it at the beginning, though. Uh, I would probably try to end with COVID, too, because there is no doubt about it in my mind. The economy, the climate, everything right now is being impacted by this man's mishandling. Absolutely. Right Okay,
2: uh, I guess we are, we are, are we out of time. We're out of time, right? Uh, okay. uh, Mo, I love you. I love being uh, Twitter, at MoVela, M-O-E-V-E-L-A. I'm Leslie Marshall. Watch the debate tonight and the post-debate analysis.
0: Toxic chemicals have contaminated the Huron River, but Representative Ryan Berman voted to cut millions from the state's cleanup fund. Berman's record is toxic. Paid for with regulated funds by Michigan Leadership Committee PAC, not authorized by any candidate. Toxic chemicals have contaminated the Huron River, but Representative Ryan Berman voted to cut millions from the state's cleanup fund. Berman's record is toxic. Paid for with regulated funds by Michigan Leadership Committee PAC, not authorized by any candidate.